Hello and welcome to the Dabs Podcast. Thank you for joining me today as we have a very special guest, Ms. Laura Bocanfuso. She is a computer scientist that's about to deliver an amazing robot math tutor uh, to a city near you. And before we get started, I do want to make sure that I let you know that this episode is brought to you by the Gamers Consulting Group, and we help schools enhance student voice and engagement. The number one job of educators is to build capacity in your leaders, in your school, in your students. So if you want to learn more about that, visit tradegamers.com shop for more. But without further ado, let's get to this conversation about Abby in Band Robotics. What's going on, Laura? <laughs> Hi, Trey. Uh, not too much. How are you doing? Uh, we're so glad. I'm so glad to be on the podcast with you today. Yes, indeed. I, I, I really didn't know what to expect when I saw um, that band robotics on your LinkedIn profile where I, I met you here and was curious about how the robotics would fit in to education. So I feel like that's probably a good place to start. You've got a robot tutor to help kids with math. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, so the robot actually tutors a very scaffolded lessons. Um, she can teach both tutorials, uh, so she'll take a typical math skill that is aligned with a national math standard, and then she'll walk the student through step-by-step step how to solve that particular skill. Um, we also have, for every tutorial, we have a matching assessment, which gives them a number of example problems of the same skill for them to practice also um, solving those problems on their own. Um, all of our content is created by certified uh, teachers. So we have the, the teachers in, in, you know, in the field currently working with those very same students, creating all of our content, reviewing all of the content, and making sure that it's, um, the quality is, is really high. Mm, mm, and, and so the idea, I mean, obviously technology is something that's advancing day by day. I think they say that information doubles on the planet every single day. So is this a is this a, a new idea or is this something that you've seen before inside of education? Where did it come from? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, actually, I started out as a PhD student at the University of South Carolina, and I, I was really, really fascinated with technology and the the potential for robots to help us do things better and to help us keep kids engaged in different ways. Um, so I had uh, reached out to the School of Medicine people and we built an initial robot called Charlie, which was really designed to work with kids with autism. Um, to make a long story short, that, that project, that, that dissertation work was about six months of uh, field work with a speech and language pathologist who volunteered all of her time after regular office hours to, um, to work with these kids for six months um, and work with this robot that we had built. And we saw just tremendous, tremendous changes um, in terms of the kids' excitement about coming to intervention, their willingness to turn and socialize with other family members that were invited to come in and work with the robot as well. Um, and then we did clinical, uh, we, we tested with clinical instruments to see how their communication and their social, socialization skills improved in that, in that period of time. And we saw some pretty significant gains. So we were really happy. So that, that was sort of the, the genesis of the idea that, yes, robots can be used to do good things as a tool in right. the toolbox of the right expert. And so the robots will always be a tool um, they'll always be best used if, if uh, the person who's using it really understands 
how to use it to get the most out of it. Mm, mm, okay. And you mentioned, um, you know, keeping kids engaged. You said you saw improvement in communication and socialization. Now, I'm going to ask, is that for the student or for the robot? Ah, it's a great question. Actually, the robot was the facilitator. So the kids that I worked with mostly were on the autism spectrum. Okay. And so for them, the greatest, uh, you know, the greatest challenge was really being able to make eye contact with their, uh, with their fellow peers and with their, um, even adults, um, sometimes even their own parents. So they uh, really worked on the, this game that we developed with the robot, where the robot would ask the student a question, wait for the answer, giggle, and then turn to the next participant in the game, also directing the child's attention to look at that next person. So mm. by way of playing this interactive game, we had these triadic interactions where the robot was the center facilitator of the game, and then we had two people. The One was the child with autism, and then the other was either a parent or the speech and language pathologist or um, even a sibling. And so we had these great triadic interactions where the students um, sort of barriers to wanting to direct their attention to other people in the room were kind of mitigated because the robot was facilitating all the social interactions. And right. so we would get comfortable working with the robot and then it was, it was less daunting, I think, for them to turn to the other mm -hmm. people in the room and mm -hmm. socialize and communicate with them. Well, because that's a, that's a really cool thing to see. I feel like, especially for our kids today, I mean, that's all they know is technology. So to see um, a robot right in front of their face having that conversation, it's, it's not like for it's the older generations, even myself watching The Terminator, where it's kind of crazy, but it's actually <laughs> reality, you know, it's something that you know. And with AI, you know, I'm familiar um, in a couple of different ways. I know uh, as a city here in Hartsfield, we've adopted a, a text platform that's AI-based connected with the um, with our website and you can send a message and it'll give you a direct response. So with this robot, mm -hmm. is, does it learn as it gives you these answers or is it already programmed with uh, the, the questions and the responses in the curriculum? How, how does that piece work? Yeah, so it, there are two different machine learning algorithms that work on the robot. One is um, a user machine learning algorithm that, that learns deeply how many how many times they've gotten something wrong, for example, during a lesson, how long they spend on a screen, uh, how, how many things in a row did they get correct or incorrect. And it, it basically develops a deep user profile that um, not only tracks their performance, but is also looking at their attention. So during every lesson, the robot is actually uh, noting whether the child is looking at the screen at the right times or not. And, and we all know that attention is a major challenge for many kids today. I think it's one in five students now either has a learning or attentional uh, difficulty. And so that's 20% of the population of kids, which is, is a, it's a huge number, right? We have about 35 million kids in the K through eight population. Um, so it's about 7 million kids affected by that alone. Yeah. And that doesn't even include all the kids that aren't diagnosed, right? Yeah. So this, the robot is not only tracking their performance, but also their attention and compiling a report, compiling that report on every single question that is asked during every single part of the tutorial. How is the student attending? How are they performing? And then that information gets built into a historical profile so the robot will understand what this particular student's challenges might be and how to possibly address those during the course of the lesson. Yeah. Sometimes the robot will offer a brain break, for example, if 
it detects that the student has no longer is not paying attention anymore or has gotten a number of questions wrong in a row, the robot may say, hey, let's take a quick brain break, let's get up and stretch, or um, let's take a quick breathing break, and the robot will guide the student through one of these breaks. Mm, okay. Now that's, that's, so it sounds like this is similar to maybe Mastery Connect or Study Island where you could upload students' map scores or test scores, and then you, you know, you'll take exams or assessments that help keep you or push you towards your grade level, but in a, a visual form. Is it similar to just to kind of put something that is, is similar to, would that be something that the uh, obvious similar? Um, yeah, so the robot's not actually making any recommendations about the next uh, okay. skill level for a particular student. Um, we always believe and we always fall back on the, the understanding that the teacher is the expert. Mm. The teacher will always be the expert. Um, and for some students, uh, the, the teacher may know better. Um, for a lot of students, actually, the teacher may, may know what the progress should be, the path should be for that student to take. Um, because if a student's not having a great day, um, that teacher understands that inherently, right? And, and they can adjust for uh, maybe not performing as well as they think they could. Um, the, the system should never be sort of directing the 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 path we believe in terms of what they should be doing next. Um, okay. And that that's really a fundamental, like I said, understanding of, of how we built the system is that it's a tool. Um, it's a great one-on-one -on -one tool that the teacher can use as a pullout station or as a way to, uh, you know, really reinforce concepts after they've taught it in class. Um, even after school programs have started to adopt it, YMCA's, Boys and Girls Clubs, um, as a way to keep that sort of, national standards aligned, you know, class or that national standards aligned skill sort of practice going on even beyond the classroom. Yeah. So I, it doesn't act quite the way those other uh, software platforms do. Right, right. Okay. And that makes sense. And now I guess that's a, um, a responsible use of technology type of thing. And, and I know with a lot of virtual learning online programs, teachers can feel like they are a supplement to a curriculum rather than the facility mm. of the curriculum. So I, I appreciate the thoughtfulness that went into that. So, and, and you mainly, you know, I think we began talking about your original robot, Charlie, that works with kids yes. with autism. So now you're coming out with your first commercial product, Abby. What's the difference between Charlie and Abby and like what changed to, to get to this point where you're in the retail market now or commercial sure, market? Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, it's a great question. I, it was kind of a journey. So after I after I, I defended my dissertation here, I was looking for more social robotics work. I was I was really really passionate about the potential, as I mentioned before, and I was looking for more to do and to help kids in in different ways. Um, and so I found a postdoc position at Yale. So my family and I moved up to Connecticut for three years. I became a postdoc and then a research scientist there and continued the same work with the, the Yale Child Study Center, where they had a large population of kids with autism, but also a population of kids that had just learning challenges and developmental delays and um, some cognitive processing uh, difficulties. And so I, it opened up my eyes to a much larger population of kids that could be helped with this kind of technology. Right. And it made me really realize mm -hmm. that we need to find the specific things that were so effective with the kids with autism, could they be applied to other kids as well? And what we found is that 
when we had control groups in these research studies, the control groups were typically, um, you know, typically developing kids. Um, they also improved their performance with tracking attention, with, uh, you know, sort of the same kinds of social interactions that we were using with the kids with autism. They would proceed faster through the material, but they still benefited from that additional help. So I thought, you know, this is something we should create that can be, again, really flexible and, and used as a tool so that the teacher, when they receive the robot, can use it for, um, once they understand how it works, that they can use it for a wide variety of, of students. Mm. And so that's how we got to building Abi. Wow. Wow. And so as far as math goes, what grade levels can Abi support with? So right now, yeah, Abi currently delivers third, fourth, and fifth grade math. Uh, we started with those grades because we know a lot of literature shows that math stress, math anxiety starts as early as third grade, um, and kids start to separate from the subject. By the time they're in fifth grade, many students have decided, I am a math person or I'm not a math person, unfortunately. Yeah. That's so early, right? I mean, it's only yeah. 10 years old. It's just yeah. way too young to, to be separating and closing a lot of doors, you know, in the future about what you can do. So, um, so currently third, fourth, fifth grade math, uh, we have our, our teacher uh, group, um, they, they are basically now starting to create second grade math. We'll have that completed probably in the next couple of months. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to be on a reading curriculum. Okay. Okay. That's pretty cool. And as far as, so I, you, you've had quite the journey through your own educational experience from George Mason, Bowling Green, USC, in Yale. Is, is yeah. this industry, education, do you consider yourself an educator or a scientist or computer scientist? I do. I, I've always been in education since my kids were little. Um, I was a non-traditional student, so I, I went, I stayed home with them when they were growing up mm -hmm. and um, went back to school. When the youngest went back to school, I went back and, you know, enrolled um, in graduate school. But um, I helped out in the classroom. I volunteered a lot and helped with their classrooms when they were growing up. Um, when I went back to graduate school, I became a uh, I became an instructor, and before that, I was an adjunct professor at Midlands Tech. So okay. oh, I've wow. always been involved in yeah different aspects of education. I love teaching. Um, I, I really do enjoy it very much, and I I feel like I have a a strong connection with teachers still. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I think of myself both as a, an educator, but also as a scientist. So were you, you were originally a teacher, that was one of your first professions? Yeah, I mean, I, I was a, an adjunct professor. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but that's, that's really cool. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of amazed, you know, to see it, because there's, you know, it's interdisciplinary, and I know we talk about it, but to see, I'm, I'm looking at your website now and looking at this robot playing with the kid, you know, it's, it's so cool. And I'll make sure that we share it with the guests. But the, yeah, I know it's, it's on the website that this child looks so engaged with this robot and because he looks like an actual, I mean, not like a person, but, you know, he looks, he's got arms, he's got legs, he's got a head. You know, I don't know if he can <laughs> move, but he, he looks so, um, so organic, I guess you can say. And now tell me, are you from South Carolina? Um, I... I've been here the longest I've been anywhere. So I think that's probably the best way to answer that question. I was actually born in Canada and then 
moved to New York and then moved to Florida and then Virginia and Maryland. So I've, I've really done sort of the gamut of East Coast states. Okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, but I, I really consider this home. I mean, our, our three children all grew up here and we've lived here, like I said, the longest I've lived anywhere. So we love South Carolina. When we were considering starting this company, it was a, it was a no-brainer to come back. We, mm-hmm. we really, really love the state. We really love the people here and feel like this is home. So you came back to South Carolina intentionally for to start your business and, and provide Abby to this state. Yep, absolutely. Why, why South Carolina? Um, so many reasons. I, I think, so... Right. I mean, there's, there's always the, 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 I'll start with the argument that I heard before moving back here that, that people said to me, you know, when they knew I wanted to start this company, oh, it's so hard to raise funds in South Carolina. Oh, you're not going to be surrounded by a large tech community in South Carolina. Oh, you're not going to have access to, you know, X, Y, Z in South Carolina. And, and those are the, those are sort of the, the, uh, the book Arguments, those are the things that you read in the book, like check this list off when you start your company, right? Right. And yet, there was just such a strong pull to be here because I know the schools here. I know the people here. Like I said, our kids grew up here in the schools here. They all went to public school. We have been entrenched in the community here. We we love the state. We love everything about from the mountains to the beach. You know, mm-hmm. we, we just really feel like this is the best place because this is where we thrive. And so if we were still in, in another state, if we, if we moved to California, for example, to go be near the tech community, um, I'm not sure that we would have gotten as much done as mm-hmm. we have gotten done in the last two years. Right. I honestly believe that that's true because we would be fighting a whole Goliath of other problems, right? The cost of living and just not really having a very cohesive community. I feel like, I feel like here in, in, in where we are in in Columbia, we, we do have that, you know, we all, you know, we love, we love the state. I think there's a common sort of understanding that, um, you know, there's education is important and we, I think all of us feel like we can do better and we're very vested in helping that effort. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've seen since I've become an educator in South Carolina, all I've seen is the education ranks for the state to be number 49 or 50 in the country mm-hmm. in terms yeah. of you know quality of education. We were talking about the proficiency rate of students, and I think 26 to 30 percent of students are proficient in math. What do you think, what impact do you think I mean, I'm asking for your vision here, can have on our education system and math in particular, and what's the long-term impact of that? Yeah, I think that's a great question and probably one I, I won't be able to fully answer now, but I, I, we've been talking to the educational community for the last couple of years. So when we first, this idea was first conceived, we took it to the teachers and to the people we were working with in the field and ask them, you know, how would you use something like this? What, what features would be most useful to you? And, and what we came away with was teachers want more information. They want more data to help them better serve their students, better understand their students, better address their students' needs. 
Um, that's number one. Number two, they don't have enough time in the day <clears throat> really to address all of the needs of the students in their class typically. So that's not for every teacher in every classroom, but by and large, that's what we heard most often from teachers was, I want to do so much. I have these great, you know, things that I want to do in my class, but there's just not enough time in the day. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when we developed Abby, the vision was we want to lighten the load for teachers in the classroom, be value, a valuable tool for them that can collect data that will help them troubleshoot, that will help them provide some basic intervention for students that may not be too far behind yet. And that will be used early enough so that those, those comprehension gaps don't accumulate to the point where they have to do a, a lot of intensive intervention. Yeah. And so that's where we really believe the vision will, will really excel um, in, in the schools. We also believe that we, we want to be partners with all the stakeholders in the student's life. So starting in the classroom is really important for many reasons, but also the after-school programs that see these kids, um, you know, when they leave the school, they go to after-school YMCA, Boys and Girls Club Library. Um, they really could use that extra power hour that they have at Boys and Girls Clubs to, to use uh, tools that can follow sort of their progress, that can continue to report on those progresses. So when they do finish something and they accomplish it, that robot at the Boys and Girls Club will have the same user profile that they had it in the class, for example, and can mm -hmm. pick up where they left off and can report back to the teacher, hey, you know, um, Trey did this great thing in the Boys and Girls Club today. He finished his fractions lesson and scored a 95. Um, so basically having that, that continuity is really important. And finally, I think for us is also equally important is that we build up that confidence in kids and we, we keep them engaged before they disengage, before they get to that fifth grade and they decide, I'm not a math person. Right. Um, we need to keep them, you know, intrigued by it, encouraged by, by you know, staying in the, in, in, the, um, in the discipline of math and reading, um, by giving them high fives and fist bumps and making them feel like they can make mistakes and they're not going to be judged. Um, that was also something we heard not from teachers, actually, but from the students <laughs> we interviewed when we did our alpha pilot last year. Um, a lot of the students said, you know, I don't feel bad if I get one wrong. I don't feel embarrassed if I say the wrong answer. Um, and these are all things that students deal with, you know. Regularly. Regularly, yeah. For sure. And, and that's a big reason why students don't speak up. Well, I, I mean, obviously, obviously, yeah. it's well thought out. This, is this what you did your dissertation on as well? Yes. Mm -hmm. okay. Now, can we get into um, some of your rollout plan and your launch? You talked about having 700 robots coming to fruition soon. And I looked at a little map. I see you you're, you're throughout the Midwest, up and down the East Coast. I saw a little dot on Libya. What's the process like for someone to obtain one of these robots? Yeah, just um, they can reach out to us on our website. There's an information sheet. Uh, I'm sorry, an information link that they can click on and then they can just fill out their name and email. Um, or they can, you know, they can call us um, if they are interested in, in uh, talking to somebody a little bit more. Um, you're happy to, you know, we're happy to always get calls in and, and listen to uh, interested people that want to find out more about the robot or they just want to maybe have a demo. We're happy to also travel to schools, of course, and, and show what the robot can do and give them a little bit of a taste for how it works. Right. Um, 
you can email info at myvanrobot.com. That's a, probably the quickest way to, to kind of get a hold of us. Okay. Okay. Um, and so for, from an onboarding standpoint, if I'm, I, I'm, I'm at a school, I'm at an elementary school, I want to buy, do I want one? I got 300 kids. Do I want one robot? Do I need five robots? Mm, yeah. uh, what's that onboarding process like? Yeah, we typically recommend one robot for 15 students, which means that most of, if, if uh, again, this is according to need, um, if the student is working with the robot a few times a week, and that's the general sort of use for the school, which is where we typically start, um, it's one robot per 15 students. So in a typical 20, 25 class, you can get away with one, possibly two robots to start. Um, and that will ensure that every student gets some time on the robot during the school week. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and that's about perfect for class size as well. I mean, I know some classes are up in the 25 or 30 range, but ideally it would be more in the 15 to 20 range, especially at that age level. Is there a learning curve for teachers? I mean, do they have to input anything to make sure that they're teaching or the robot is with the right standards? How does that part work? Yeah, so actually the the robot is fairly plug and play. So what's nice is that the robot, um, you just plug it in, it turns on. It works with, an, with a connected Wi-Fi enabled device. So it could be a laptop or a tablet, pretty much whatever um, whatever computer devices the, the school has. Um, that Wi-Fi connected device will connect directly to the robot's own Wi-Fi. So we're not even using the school Wi-Fi to get started. Um, you just connect your Wi-Fi device immediately to the robot's Wi-Fi mm. and then uh, launch your browser. You navigate to the Abby's classroom URL and then basically she takes over your screen. There's a little dashboard. The teacher will set up her own account. Um, then she can add students to the account and each student will have their own account. So when it's time for them to take a lesson, they'll click on their own account. It'll bring up their dashboard. She can recommend which lessons she wants that particular student to take. Um, and then that student will go through and, and complete each of those lessons. And when they're done, she'll, she'll visibly be able to see on that dashboard that they've taken those lessons. There's also a report screen that shows how they performed on every question of that tutorial, mm. how they performed on, um, uh, in, in their attention. And so it, it all gets plotted on a graph. So they can, they can get some very deep information about how that student is progressing through the skills and can even look at how her whole class is, for example, performing on a particular skill um, and then really make a decision an informed decision about whether she needs to, you know, maybe reteach it or uh, provide some other kind of, um, you know, review of that, of that mm -hmm. skill. Mm -hmm. And so you, you have a deep passion for this robotics and education is, is clear. Why? Why? Why do you love this so much? Why are you? Why are you doing this? Mm. Yeah, I I think uh, early on when I saw the the impact that robots could have um, in really just changing kids' perspective about learning things, it it really made me believe that um, in the right hands, robots can be a really powerful tool for helping students stay engaged. Um, and I, I believe that, you know, there are many beneficial things that robots can provide us. They, they're infinitely patient. <laughs> they have uh, the ability to collect uh, really important data. 
and, and deliver it to us in ways that is, is very helpful. Um, they are social. They can, they can provide these kind of fun, cartoonish, little social interactions that, that really engage kids um, and that support them. So I feel like it's, a, it's, an, ex, it's an extended sort of computer for, for mm-hmm. teachers to use mm-hmm. uh, that has these kinds of extra engagement factors. It takes it up to the next level, right? Um, that, that can be really powerful, I think, in the classroom and, and, and eventually in the home. Right, right. And I love that. That's beautiful response. It sound, almost sounds like you described a, a person, patient, social, has a lot of capacity, <laughs> supportive, and engaging. That sounds like a, a loved one, you know. So that's pretty cool that we can have that in our technology. What What would make this program your robot? What What makes this idea a success? Um. I think it it's a success because it's really built by the community of teachers and students. I mean, everything that went into this robot was the result of, you know, field testing. I mean, you know, in the beginning, I had some ideas I thought were going to be effective. They just completely bombed, right? I mean, they were they were not well received um, because I'm I'm not a I'm not a lifetime K through five educator. Mm. You know, I was sort of on the peripheral. I was, I was volunteering, I was helping, I was teaching, but at higher grades. And so, um, it, this idea I believe is, is effective and successful because it really comes from the community of users. It comes from the place where, um, you know, it's, it's been developed from the people that will use it ultimately that will benefit from it. Mm. Is there any, is there any lessons that you've learned through this journey that you think will be valuable for any educator that's listening right now? Um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, test and validate. I think there's a lot of ed tech stuff out there. Um, I think some of it is validated and some of it is not. Um, I think it's, it's important. You know, we are a data-driven company. I was a researcher for a long time, um, for about 12 years. And so I, I you know, everything that we do in the company will always, we're always doing research studies. And so we recently received a Department of Education grant to uh, conduct our second research study this mm. fall and next spring. And that will really help us, again, to test the efficacy of this, of this robot, to get the user feedback from teachers, administrators, um, and students as well about what they like about it, what they would change about it, and really fundamentally, empirically, how well does this work? Yeah. Um, how, with a pre and post test of the same skill, how much are we actually helping them above and beyond what's happening in the classroom? So I, I think um, as I've gotten into the, the business world a little bit more, I've learned that not everyone does that. You know, that's not, that's not a given. Not everybody tests and, and proves and value, you know, sort of empirically, um, evaluates how well their product works. And I think it's, it's a core uh, part of our, of our mission. So that's probably the the greatest thing I could offer. um, I love it. About our company. That's beautiful. So Laura, where, where can we find you at? What's the best place to go to get in contact with you? Yeah. So come to our website. It's uh, abisworld.com. So it's a B I I S dash world.com. Um, you can come to our website, check out the alpha study that we conducted last year, check out the robot, 
Um, there's lots of information in there about where we are and how to get in touch with us. You can click the contact link and there's information about how to submit a form. And we will we will be right back in touch with you. There you have it. I mean, this and this is some beautiful stuff. Go to abbysworld.com right now and check out this robot because it's, it's well put together, it's well organized. I'm excited to hear from you, Laura. And I thank you so much for listening to the Dash Podcast. Again, this episode is sponsored by the Gamers Consulting Group, and we help schools enhance student voice and engagement. And so does Laura. She's helping schools <laughs> advance student voice and engagement through interactive technology. I thank you so much for your time, and we will see you next time. This is The Dash.